This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, people. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Back with you guys for another episode of our Raw Reaction series after Arsenal have won the North London Derby 3-1 against Tottenham Hotspur. It is a good time to be an Arsenal fan. Arsenal could go, as I've just tweeted, 14 points clear of Liverpool with a win next week. But we might be getting a bit ahead of ourselves uh, after what was a fantastic afternoon. You can't help yourself from just kind of looking ahead and thinking exciting thoughts. And, you know, when you sit four points clear at the top of the Premier League table, of course, Manchester City still to play tomorrow in the Manchester derby. But it's just such a wondrous and positive place to be, especially after the disappointment at the end of last season. Um, kind of, you know, the game against Manchester United, in which we lost, even though we were by far the better team and a better performance from us as well. And that then led to so many people asking questions and saying, you know, Arsenal, are they that they've really not had any tests so far this season? Well, I'm sorry, but Arsenal have had tests this season. They've played up against some teams that have caused plenty of opposition's problems like Palace and Fulham and Villa. Um, and they've come through those tests. And I think we've shown this season to be a side that are worthy of plenty of praise. And that all culminated in a performance that I think we can all be very, very happy with as Arsenal ended up blowing Spurs away with a 3-1 win, as I say. We're going to jump into the chat. This is the Raw Reaction Show in which we often go into the chat and let you guys dictate the conversation with comments and thoughts and feelings. So please do start throwing your thoughts and theories and queries and questions into there. Um, but good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you happen to be in the world today. Hello to Damien and Matty Gunner, uh, to John, uh, the Ethiopian. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you happen to be in the world. Um, probably Ethiopia, to be fair. It makes more sense, doesn't it? Uh, the clock went tangerine. 11 points in front of the team that's tipped to finish second. Not a bad start 
to the season. Dan says Liverpool in the mud. Can't wait for next Sunday. Uh, MJ10 says, what do you think of Tottenham? I think you know the answer. You can chuck it into the chat box. Uh, great to have you back in the chat, Dave. And uh, Thanks for that. Really appreciate it. Tommy says, we can't celebrate yet. I mean, Arsenal fans are, you know, we're told we can't celebrate anything these days. I think that you are well within your rights to celebrate today's result because it was a bloody good one. Um, but I says, Jesus should have had a penalty. I mean, even though we've won 3-1, we're still claiming decisions. And to be honest, I agree with you. Uh, I saw the incident. I've seen the incident back. And I don't really get why it wasn't looked at. Probably because we're Arsenal. Um, Tanashi says, uh, Partey today, Tom, something else. Partey was fantastic. Uh, let's start the conversation. Let's create the first part of the discussion. Let's link into one of these comments to kick off today's first topic. Um, yeah, it is annoying, Utah, that Chelsea won in the end, but let's focus on the positives. Keems 4 says, Saliba is a Rolls Royce in our defence. I have absolutely no problem with starting the discussion off around William Saliba, who is proving to be quite frankly, potentially the inform and currently best defender in the Premier League. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. I genuinely believe that William Saliba has been in the first eight games of the Premier League season, the best player in that position in this table. His composure, his acceleration and recovery speed, his tackling, his goals that he scored, you know, big goals in big games uh, has really counted. And he has been so classy uh, and so spot on and so elegant in his game that it is going to take a serious competitor in the Premier League this season to really kind of discuss what on earth could be better than what we've seen from him. In all of those eight games so far this season, he has not been dribbled past once. Not once. He is beyond what we, even I, you know, was expecting from him. Yes, I knew he was good. Yes, I watched plenty of him at Marseille last season. And we did the loan shows in which we covered William Saliba's progression across the course of the campaign. I knew this kid was good, but wow, you know, unbelievably. And as Leonard says, Saliba needs to sign the ting because we need to get that guy locked down to a brand new contract. Uh, Michael says, I feel a white Saliba partnership in our future, potentially. Clockwork Tangerine, 720 minutes and he ain't been dribbled past once. Dan says, Saliba is our best defender by a mile. So good, so Calm. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, Luke says a lot of people are blaming Gabriel Magalash for the goal, but it wasn't he put in a tough position. Next to Saliba, of course, was Gabriel, who William Gallas said is the wrong player for Saliba to be learning off of if Saliba needs a player to learn off of. Um, look, Gabriel was the one that you would point the finger toward today for the most criticism, but I don't really want to do too much criticizing after what was a brilliant performance. Look, he made a mistake with the penalty. He absolutely should have stayed on his feet, didn't need to dive in. Richarlison was on his weaker foot. And he needs to be better in those situations. But still, beyond that, I thought he was good outside of this. You know, distribution was fine. Uh, besides, I think, one annoyingly bad pass in the first 20 minutes of the game. I thought he was fine. I thought he did a decent job and it was a mistake. And towards the end of the game, he helped Arsenal close it out. So if there is any kind of criticism of the game for me, it would be Gabriel, but as I said, it's been too good of a performance to start sitting down and pointing fingers uh, at a player that's not done necessarily what the other players have on the field. Um, Patrick says Xhaka should have cleared the ball, which is in that moment potentially the other part of this. But we could have, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in that moment that we really should have dealt with. Amir um, says, Tom, let's talk about the boss, Super Mick Arteta. 
I mean, what can you say about his team selection, about the way in which we approach the game, about the way in which we've built this team that is now four points clear at the top of the Premier League table? I am so glad uh, that Mikel Arteta not only signed that new contract, but that was given the faith, that was backed, that has continued. Because what I see on the other side of the field in Antonio Conte is without a doubt a world-class manager. There's no doubting that in Conte. But he's not the guy. He That profile is not what Arsenal have needed. They've not needed a quick fix. They've not needed someone that can come in and give them an immediate hit and then leave them after 18 to 24 months. That's not what Arsenal have needed. Arsenal have needed a complete overhaul that was going to take a number of seasons to get going. And you can clearly see from the point that Arteta took over in December of 2019 to where we are now in October of 2022, nearly three years into this um, process, if you like, that there is such a significant improvement upon what we are doing, upon what our aims are, and what we could ultimately achieve. And I think that a style of play was so lacking at the start. A style of play is blatantly obvious now for everybody to see. And yes, there are a lot of similarities to the way that Manchester City play, which is not unsurprising, um, which rather is not surprising um, by any shape or form, because we know the links that he had there. But Arsenal are ultimately also forging their own path under Arteta in the way in which we are playing. And a lot of the talk going into this game was very much, uh, I think, uh, oh, let's just get rid of you. See you later. Um, in terms of where the talk and discussion was before the game against Spurs, so much of it was around, will we get beaten on the counter? Will we be naive? That was the word that came out a lot during the game against uh, Manchester United because naivety was kind of the buzzword after we conceded on the counter and, you know, when you think about we're in a situation where we've tried to get after the equaliser to go for the win and, you know, we made mistakes and ultimately Lukonga in particular was kind of one of those players that was unfortunately making those errors. Partey in this game was just a level above, but you can't tailor your game to your opposition. Do you know who does that? Tottenham. <laughs> you know who does that? Teams that don't win titles. They tailor their games to who they're playing. The teams that win titles are the team that go and play their way. They're the teams that have a style. They're the teams that are dominant. They're the teams that know exactly what they need to do each game and that very rarely tweak things heavily towards the opposition. You can make the little couple of tweaks here and there. I understand that. That's certainly fair. But you can't expect Arsenal to suddenly rip up the rule book because they're going up against a team that are really good on the counter, which is probably our biggest weakness. You can't expect us to do that if we want to be a team that is pushing for the best things. We can't. We can't be a team that does that because they're the teams that don't win the titles. They're the teams that don't go and dominate games and push themselves towards the biggest and best things. We need to be a team that plays the way that Arsenal should play, a team with an identity, a team that blows teams away like we did today. And that's what we need to see. And, Antone, and uh, I just think that Mikel Arteta is cultivating that at Arsenal. And I don't think that Antonio Conte is cultivating that at Tottenham, nor do I think he would have done at Arsenal either. Um, let's go to Chris, who says, that was a great performance. Passion, commitment and a positive plan. Mikel deserves a massive pat on the back. 
Um, MJ Tens is absolutely spot on. We have to play our game all the time. No compromises. Um, let's go to uh, Simon, who says, uh, finding players as good as Partey, Xhaka, uh, and I think Gabriel uh, Martinelli or Magalash is definitely on the roster. Um, you know, Xhaka. Let's talk about Granite Xhaka because, my goodness, what on earth has happened to this guy? Do you know, it's not what's happened to him. And we had a discussion about this. And there was a few tweets that went back and forth last week about Granite Xhaka. It's not what's happened to him. I think Granit Xhaka has always been this guy. I think he's always had this quality. I don't think we're seeing more output from Xhaka. I think what we're doing is we're seeing Granit Xhaka in a role that just emphasizes everything that's good about him and doesn't put him into the situations that you see him comically mess up and have errors. I think that Xhaka has always been this player. I don't think that it's some kind of coaching masterclass that's developed him into a you know a great player all of a sudden. I think it's a great piece of management to find Xhaka's best position and finally use him there and give the players around him the jobs to also emphasize how good he is. Do you know what I'm saying? That that for me is exactly what we need to do at Arsenal. We need to be in a position where we are emphasizing the best qualities of the players we have and trying to minimize their weaknesses. And you do that by not putting them into silly situations, which is exactly what we have done with Xhaka, exactly what Arteta has specifically done with Xhaka. He has improved, but I don't think it's to do with you know individual improvement. I just think it's more to do with Arteta finding a role for him that emphasizes everything good about him rather than him improving on what he already was good at. So that for me is it. Uh, but I says Xhaka used properly shows he is world-class. I put a tongue-in-cheek tweet out after the game saying is Xhaka world-class. Whilst I think he's putting in world-class performances at the moment, is he of a world-class level? You know, I, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> but you can't deny that some of these performances have been of a level that you would say is up there with the best midfield performances that you will see in the league at the moment. Uh, Sean points out the very strong point of Xhaka has always been this player for Switzerland. That is the the tagline. That is the, the, the question that we've always said. Why don't Arsenal have the Xhaka that plays for Switzerland? The answer obviously is... We haven't used him in the same way that Switzerland used him. And now we're starting to do that. Uh, Haroon says, Xhaka's physicality has always been underrated. Uh, <laughs> I'm loving the, the Xhaka songs in the chat box always. Um, Paul says, our last two performances are the benchmark. Keep doing what we are doing and we'll win lots of games. Dave just points out simply Xhaka is now playing his preferred position. Steve just says Xhaka equals wow. Uh, and that's definitely where we're at. Stephen says, I've been backing him from day one. He is our Rambo. Uh, for those that have stuck by Granite Xhaka, fair play to you. You know, I've been through ups and downs. And I think rightly so. Anyone that's criticized Granite Xhaka, I don't think you can sit down and say, that he's been unfair in criticism. He's certainly been worthy of criticism. However, I think it's fair to say that he's also been put into situations whereby he's not been able to show his best, whereas now he is. Uh, Dave says, can we also talk about Gabriel Jesus? Uh, the first touch he had in this game had me off my seat. Chopping back in midfield and driving on, he's transformed us. Look, when you went into the game's against Spurs, what you always recognised in that Tottenham team is that they had Harry Kane and they had Heung-Min Son. Two players that no matter what or who was manager or where they were in the table or where Arsenal were or what the form was going into the game, both of those players being who they are, 
could win a game for Spurs. And many, many times they have done in derbies. I mean, the amount of penalties Kane gets is obviously a sidebar. But Gabriel Jesus is finally a player that Arsenal have as a number nine that is of that ilk, that I believe is of a world-class quality. You know that discussion that we had before the summer? Is Jesus really world-class? Discussions going on other platforms. Would they rather have had Richarlison? Um, Gabriel Jesus is world-class. He is up there with the top strikers in the Premier League. You know, if you're going to start talking about uh, the goal scorers that we have, yes, Erling Haaland is uh, a mythical creature of, of a striker, of course, and will probably in the bra- be in the brackets of your Messi's, Ronaldo's in the future. But if we're talking about other world-class strikers, for me, Jesus is in the bracket. He's scoring regularly. He's creating regularly. He does magical things. He's elevating Arsenal in big games. He's turning up in big games. You know, and that's the mark of one of the best players that is around. And I firmly believe that Jesus is one of the best players in his position in this league. And what he's done is he's elevated the performances of players like Martinelli in particular, who is just startlingly good alongside Jesus. I think Saka's starting to come into his own with, with Jesus. Erdegaard, of course, who I thought Erdegaard was quieter than he usually is. And, you know, I know what the, the tagline will be. Oh, look, it's another big game that Erdegaard wasn't, wildly brilliant in but to be honest you know I think that what we've got in Jesus is a player that can maximize Odegaard's creativity by finding him and I think that we've seen that in other games this season you're not always going to get 10 out of 10 performances from everyone that's just part and parcel of football but I think Jesus is just so so brilliant Haroon says did you hear what Jesus said in the post-match conference he's saying that he's free and happy now. I mean, you can see how much kind of weight and responsibility and freedom is given to Jesus. At City, he was a cog in the machine, like so many amazing players are in that Manchester City team, because he's surrounded by players of the same sort of level. And yes, Arsenal hope to get to a level where they, like City, have lots of great players. But Jesus is not only a great player amongst other good players and some other great ones, He's also a player that I feel in that number nine role, playing and starting every week, knows he's a talismanic figure, knows he is a star, knows that he is loved, knows that he's the guy. And that is giving him that extra boost that he didn't necessarily have at Manchester City. Uh, I think it was Edu who said he wanted to see Jesus before he joined City. And the Jesus he saw at City wasn't the peak Jesus. I think we're starting to see what that peak Jesus is. And he's certainly playing in the red and white of Arsenal now. That is for sure. Um, Olu says Erdogan needs to be more direct. Also, he needs to stop with those little scoop passes. We say that, but some of those little scoop passes have worked out pretty darn well for us, to be fair. Uh, Ayan says Odegaard was needed to control the game on our attacking third. And I think that, you know, and whilst Teng Wang says and agrees with me, Odegaard wasn't at his sharpest today, he still worked hard up and down the pitch. He never hides. Absolutely right. Whilst I don't, it wouldn't be fair to say Odegaard, quote, went missing. You know, that's not fair. I think he had a quieter game than usual. But actually what Ayan said there about the control that Odegaard has in games, the temperament, the, um, I'm trying to use the best analogy I can. It's like some... Something that is just quietly there that needs to be that you don't necessarily know is there all the time, but that without them, it would be significantly missed. And that is exactly what Erdegaard is. He is someone that if he isn't there, is missed. And I think we missed him against Brentford, even though we dominated things so well and created plenty of chances. I feel as though if Erdegaard was in that game, we would have created better chances and probably had a better scoreline. 
but he's a player that is just so important to the way in which Arsenal attack and build and you know create opportunities that without him we do lack something and uh he was again integral to the way that we played today uh Vlad says what are your thoughts on Ben White I thought he was great again but rarely gets the credit and he won't with with a guy like William Saliba next to him it's very difficult to stand out and Ben White will struggle to stand out with a guy like William Saliba next to him however he doesn't need to stand out he just needs to do what he's doing he just needs to not be error prone which he isn't he needs to be in a position whereby he's achieving quality performances which he is uh, and also, you know, he got an assist today, uh, the assist for Thomas Partey, of course, which is great because he needs to start adding goal contributions to his game if he's going to be playing at fullback. So that's really strong. And I know it was obviously a low XA, or I suppose it was a high XA. I don't know how that works in terms of um, creating the opportunity, but it wasn't like a, an, an opportunity where you would expect Partey to score from, especially not Partey. But he got that assist, uh, and that was that was really, really clear and needed. So Ben White doesn't need to stand out for me. He doesn't need to be in a position whereby he's constantly in the limelight like Saliba is. He's doing a great job and that's fantastic. Uh, we're going to take a quick break just so I can have a bit of a water break and then we're going to tackle through some more of your questions. So don't go anywhere. Make sure you drop a like on the video and subscribe if and you'll be back in 10 seconds. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, let's go to Patrick Roberts, who says, Tom, do you think Ramsdale needs to up his game on saving penalties? It could be the difference between a draw, a win, or a loss. No, penalties are penalties. You know, some goalkeepers have a knack for them. Some don't. I think Petr Cech saved one throughout his entire time at Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal don't have a good record of, of penalty saves in general. Um uh, it's not something that I look at goalkeepers and go, yeah, like, you know, it's it's a string to their bow that they're great at saving penalties. Penalties are always going to be a gamble. There's so many facets involved in them. A striker's got to take it in a certain position. Um, they're players that take penalties all the time. It's much easier to score a penalty than it is to save one. That's why so many more of them are scored. I thought Ramsdale did well. There was the opportunity for Richarlison in the first half that he did really well to save. There was another one that from across that he tipped behind. When he was called upon and he could do anything about it, he did well. I don't think there's any criticism I've got of Ramsdale at all. I thought when called upon, he was great. Distribution, strong. Always an option, always there and available. So for me, I don't have any criticism of, of Ramsdale, even with the penalty question as well. Um... Carl says, how would you line up against Buddha Glimpt? I would like to see so many changes. Buddha Glimpt are no mugs. 
they are no mugs at all. Um, it is not a game that we can take lightly. We need to make sure that we come top of that group. And when you go to Norway, which of course we uh, won't be doing because we'll be going there after the Liverpool game, but we need to make sure that we've got a good win. We need to make sure we win the home game because the away game, I'll be very honest with you, I'll be, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't win the away game. It's a very, very, very tricky place to go to. Teams have gone there and lost that are very notable, Roma in particular being one of them. You know, I. it's important that we win the game. It's important that we keep the momentum going into Liverpool. Um, and there's all this, always this idea around, you know, we have to rotate heavily because, you know, Premier League games, back-to-back, Europa League games. But actually, when we get the Champions League, I'm saying when now because it feels like a matter of when, not if, we get Champions League football next season, you're going to be having to play your best teams a lot. So you can't just sit there and expect us to rotate 11 players. We're going to have to play plenty of players. If you want to know who I'd make changes for, tune into our preview show, which is going to be on Tuesday evening. So make sure you tune in for our preview show then. Uh, Tyler says, people who don't understand what Erdogan brings to the team just don't understand football. It's as simple as that. He keeps our attack ticking. I wouldn't go as far as saying that. I think that there are... I think that sometimes perhaps people don't necessarily see what he brings. That doesn't mean they don't know football. It just means they aren't necessarily as clued in to, to what Erdogan brings as, as potentially others are. Uh, David says, Tom, only concern I have is when Saka and Martinelli dribble too much and then lose it. The teams are straight on the break. I get what you're saying, David, and it's fair. That does happen. But it is also just part of who they are. Martinelli and Saka are dribblers. They're great with the ball at their feet. And that results in plenty of chances and opportunities for us that we create. At the same time, it is also going to cause turnovers in possession. Uh, you, you aren't going to be able to coach that out of them. They might get better at dribbling as they develop because they're still only very young, and that means there might be less turnovers of possession. But that's just who they are. That's just how some players are. Uh, Gabriel, for instance, is always going to have that error in him. He's always going to have that kind of rashness, but he's also going to have all the great performances and moments that he also has. Some players just have these things in them. It's just part of the vice of some players' games. Very few players are perfect. And for a player of their age, it's not surprising. So yeah, whilst it might be frustrating and I'd encourage them perhaps to, to play an earlier pass, I'm not sitting here moaning about it, especially not after today's performance. Uh, Daniel says, do you think someone like a Bernardo Silva could be looking at Jesus now and thinking a move to Arsenal could be a great idea? It's a crude question. Potentially, I think what it does is is that not only from a Manchester City perspective, but plenty of players looking at Arsenal now as a very viable place to not only accentuate their abilities and improve, but as a viable place to look to try and aim at some significantly higher heights than maybe they're looking at now. Uh, that's what's also very key. Uh, Dave says, Tom, do you expect a 20-minute hit piece on Spurs by Gary Neville? on how naive and mentally fragile they are. That's what happened last season when we lost after going down to 10 men. Do I expect it? No. Could it still happen? Potentially. Arsenal aren't going to get the credit that we know that they deserve. They are worthy of it. There'll be more focus on potentially how Spurs may be disappointed didn't turn up. That might be what's the better focus for, for some people. In reality, we know that the Arsenal were the better side. We know that Arsenal have been the better team in every single game that they've played so far this season in the Premier League, and they deserved to win every game. Now, unfortunately, we lost one. We didn't deserve to lose against Manchester United. We did, and it was a very quick one to jump on and kind of point the finger at Arsenal and go, ha-ha, you know, you were all celebrating about stuff, and actually you're just pretty ordinary when we all know that that's not the case. I also love what Clive talked about on the Vision podcast. I know that I bring up the Vision podcast a lot. Do you know why? Because it's good. Um, 
about talking about how people kind of misinterpreted thinking this is the best of Arsenal. What we're seeing is the maximum of Arsenal. No. No, it's not. I think this is an Arsenal team that are still underrated whilst being at the top of the table. I think this is an Arsenal team that can get better. I think this is an Arsenal team that can be more clinical. I think this is an Arsenal team that can make less mistakes and therefore have more goals scored and less goals conceded, which in football is all that you want to move towards, is those goal stats and ultimately what that leads to is more points on the table. So I think that this is an Arsenal team that can do better, that can get better, there's always room for improvement, and I can't wait to see that evolution continue uh, with this group. Uh, let's go to Alberts in the chat. Yes, Tom. Great team performance, but Partey for me was man of the match. Special shout to Martinelli, especially in the second half, was class. North London is red. Partey, we haven't really touched upon him so far. Uh, again, fantastic. It does show the level that goes up, of course, when he is and isn't in the team. He is brilliant. Uh, and I think that maybe a lot of commentators and pundits underrate him and didn't put him in their combined 11s because Schoeberg and Bentoncourt, yes, have been good. But I'm sorry, Partey's just not in the same bracket as those two. He's a level above. Schoeberg is not a world-class midfielder. Bentoncourt is not a world-class midfielder. They're good, don't get me wrong. I'm not being biased with this. They're very good midfielders. But Partey, when fit and raring to go, is world-class. And there's no doubt about that. It's just that reliability of his fitness has always been in question. I don't think he was even fully fit today. I think that there was still parts of his game that I think could be improved with fitness. You know, if he is fully fit, I don't think we're as open as we were. I think he tracks back better if he's fully fit. And there were spaces definitely opened up because he wasn't in the right place at the right time at times where he should have been. But that's because he's not fully fit yet. And what the performance we got from him was brilliant. And then Lekonga came on with a good amount of time left. We rested him. He'll probably be rested against uh, uh, Buda Glimt. Although, don't be surprised if Partey still plays because the club like to keep playing him and keep using him because, yes, injuries happen, but he's going to be training every single week. He's going to be used every single week. Things can happen in training just like they did before the Fulham game. Uh, I don't see an issue with playing him when we need him. I don't see an issue with managing his minutes. I think it's important to make sure that you take him off if you can or to rest him at certain points when you can. But he will be wanting to play. He's always demanding to play. And you can see why. Because he's committed to try and getting better and get to a level where he's appreciated for the qualities and the talents that he has, which are absolutely significant. Uh, let's go to... I know I've not been scrolling down, so I'm going to scroll down a little bit more. Uh, Alan Claudino says, two goals from midfielders today. Do you think we can keep this up for the season? It's been years since we had that. It's an excellent point because Arsenal's goals have mainly come from the striker when it was Aubameyang or, Lac uh, or Lacazette prior to him or Giroud prior to him with some goals from the likes of Alexis. Uh, it was really dominated. Goals spread throughout the team is just not something that uh, we've had enough of. And when they are spread at times, because there's been some seasons where, sure, we've had more spread of the goals, they haven't been enough. You know, last season... Saka got double digits, Smith-Rowe got double digits, Aubameyang had four, Lacazette had four, I think Nketiah had five, I think Martinelli had six. You know, they need to be higher. You know, if you look at the Premier League table from last season, if you want to win titles, City scored 99 goals, Liverpool came second, scored 94 goals, we scored 61. That's 33 less goals than second. You know, Chelsea, who came third, scored 76. There's still 15 less goals. 
ideally, if you want to be a title challenger, we need to be scoring about 30 more goals than we have. Now, what I would say is that we've scored 20 goals this season in eight games. It took 16 games last season to get to 20 goals. So that shows you that we are doubling our goal output or our goal rate, if you like, because we've halved the amount of time it's taken to get to 20 goals compared to last season. Yes, we played City and Chelsea and in those opening games and Spurs, but we've played some teams that we didn't score against last season in those away games, like Palace, like Brentford. You know, we didn't score in those games uh, last season and we've picked up instead five goals uh, off the top of my head, you know? So it's a plus of seven goal difference across just two games difference this season. It's a significant step up. And that's what we need to be seeing is we need to see in the comparative games, better score lines. It's difficult to get a better score line than 3-1 against Spurs like we did last year. But those games against, you know, um, against the likes of Brentford and against Crystal Palace are important, really important. So that's a positive. Uh, Teng Lang says, I also think it's important to have goals coming through the middle, especially when you see today both Saka and Martinelli were being doubled up on and marked on. Saka had three guys on him most of the time, minimum two all the time. And it's very easy to kind of have a misconception, I think, maybe now about Saka being quiet. But the reason why maybe Jesus is having so much freedom, as even he describes it, is because he's got more space than he did at City. Because at City, you know, everybody is so good that they aren't, oppositions aren't really able to mark specific players out of the game. Whereas for Arsenal, Bakai Saka has always been identified as such a crucial player in the team that even with the addition of Jesus, even with the improvement of Martinelli, teams are still trying to mark Saka out of the game. And because of that, it opens up more opportunity for Jesus. And Jesus is flourishing off the back of that. He's able to be more free. He popped up on the left. He popped up on the right. There was that chance that he, he pinged the ball into Odegaard and with a better touch and turn, maybe we would have created a better opportunity of that in the uh, in the first half. But for me, you know, I'm fine with, with Saka being doubled up on. I'm fine with Saka maybe being perceived as being quieter because it's meaning that Whilst he may be being silenced and restricted, Jesus and Martinelli are flourishing and it's no surprise that they both have scored plenty of goals this season already. Martinelli got another assist, by the way, with his creative goal for Xhaka. But that's absolutely fantastic to see. And, you know, I'm not I'm not particularly concerned by Saka's performances like I was maybe at the start of the season because I think I've come into a better understanding of why Saka remains quieter than the rest. Um, let's go to Matt who says, I don't think our midfield summer signing of Granite Xhaka is getting enough credit up there with the signing of the summer for me. Um, you know, we talked about Xhaka at length, Matt, but I'm happy to say that he was brilliant again. He was, um, and he does feel like a different player, but I think that is, again, more down to the position, the role that we've started to give him rather than him being in particular any better himself. Uh, Vlad says, any concerns about Saliba potentially not signing a new deal? We really need to prove that we can compete for trophies to tie him down and Saka, and this season is crucial for that. Yeah, you know, I think that whatever happens, happens. It's a crap answer, I know, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but whatever happens with Saliba will happen. We are, I think that we have been fine with how we've managed the situation ultimately. We made one mistake, which was not registering him in 2020. I don't think that decision will impact whether or not he signs a contract this season at all we've sent him on loan to nice we've sent him on loan to marseille he's played 18 months of football which he needed that's got him to this level that he's now showing and i think that he's improved over those last 18 months that have got him to a level where arteta now has no doubts about him whatsoever he's starting every game he's playing every game he's being given the assurance that he is part of arsenal's plans if he doesn't sign a contract it will be because of an offer that comes in from a team that is considered bigger than arsenal 
and that can happen. But Arsenal are in a position where they've still got more than 18 months left on his deal. They've still got plenty of time. If a team comes in with a massive bid, you know, we'll have to assess it. And I know that sucks because we want to keep him. But in realistic terms, if someone came in with 100 million odd quid in summer of 2023 and he said that he wants to go, you'd probably be mad to try and keep him and then lose him on a free. But I'm really hopeful that he signs. And as far as I'm aware, the club are confident that he will sign a new deal. There's no rush on his part to try and sign a new deal. And why would there be any kind of rush? All the all the cards are in his hands. Uh, he has uh, He has that kind of assurance on his side. So we'll wait and see. But I'm not concerned right now. I'm not worried about Saliba right now. I'm enjoying Arsenal. I'm enjoying what we have. I'm enjoying what he's doing. So for me, no, I'm not concerned at the moment. I'm just enjoying what we're doing. And he's playing for Arsenal right now. So let's let's wait and see. Uh, let's go to Elliot, who says, can we have a word about Zinchenko today? Such an unsung hero. He proved he was well up for the challenge and his goal celebrations were epic. Uh, the thing about Zinchenko is he's very quickly becoming underrated, which I didn't expect it to. Ha- I did not expect that to happen. I really didn't expect uh, Zinchenko to become an underrated player. I thought after I saw him in those opening games for us this season, he would be appreciated as a brilliant player. Maybe the injuries and Tini coming in and doing well has, has contributed to that. But all of a sudden, he's not being talked about in the same bracket as, as Jesus for his impact. And it's really obvious to see why, because Jesus scores goals, and that's not part of why Zinchenko's great. But Zinchenko offers something to Arsenal that, quite simply, we haven't had in a fullback in a very long time at all, maybe potentially ever. The inverted nature, the build-up, the, uh, the way in which he combines with Xhaka and Martinelli, the way in which he kind of builds play. And he's going to get exposed. He's going to get found out. He is going to get hurt. And we are going to concede goals at some points because he is going to get kind of usurped in behind. And we saw that against Man United. But that is, that's part and parcel of what's going to happen. Trent Alexander-Arnold has received a hell of a lot of criticism for his defensive ability. And quite rightly, because, you know, defensively, he isn't that turned on. However, if you go and listen to what uh, Jurgen Klopp said, he did a little two-minute uh, kind of clip explaining about what Trent is and why Trent is what he is. Um, and why he is in in that Liverpool team. And it's a really good explanation. You can't say that Klopp's wrong about anything he says about Trent. And I think that that will kind of tie into similar thoughts around Zinchenko. He, yes, will be found out defensively. He, yes, is absent at times in those defensive positions. And to be honest, we have a right back in White or Tomiyasu that I think helped to balance that and help to cover that, whereas Liverpool with Robertson don't necessarily have the system that helps to cover when Trent goes forwards. And because of that, I think Zinchenko will be less outed for his defensive fullbacks compared to Trent. But he has the same ones because of what he does and what he contributes in an attacking sense. And that's important. But Arteta's been able to find a balance that Liverpool don't have. If Liverpool was smart, because Trent is obviously the younger of, of Robertson and, and himself, they would go out and sign a left-sided fullback that is going to give them more defensive security and balance. That's what they should do. That's a signing that they should try to make. And I think it would help significantly with the drawbacks of what having Trent and Robertson or Shimakas has in that team. So that's what Liverpool should do. The joy for Arsenal is they've got two players in White and Tommy Asu that already give Arsenal the balance of their back four. So for me... I am very content with what I see from Zinchenko. I'm very happy from what I say and see in Zinchenko. Um, so, yeah, for me, he remains 
annoyingly so, but maybe not so much. I don't necessarily like Arsenal players being th- thrown into the limelight all the time. I think that Zinchenko is a great player uh, and I don't mind him flying under the radar potentially a little bit. Ify uh, says, Zinchenko and Xhaka on the left side is a great combo. He offers something extra in midfield, but I agree we suffer defensively sometimes. You, nothing's going to be perfect. You can't expect perfection. You can't expect perfection. The best teams in the world suffer because they have players that are so good going forwards that leave them vulnerable. It's part and parcel. City have won four of the last five league titles, and yet they've still been undone at times by Chelsea or Spurs or Real Madrid. Um, you know, they've, they've been undone at times, and that's because they have those weaknesses. But they're still a brilliant team that we should aspire to try and emulate. Um, because nothing's going to be perfect. And if you expect perfection, and if you expect to come out of any game with no criticisms at all of anything, I think that's too high of a bar. And that's just kind of where Arsenal are heading towards, is is hopefully a place where we're having very few negatives to talk about. Like today, there was, for me, only really one, and that was Gabriel for the penalty. That was it. The rest, I am very, very excited about, and and potentially what we could see from this Arsenal team in the future is, is really, really positive. Um, let's talk Arsenal says, which two positions do we need to uh, provide additions to in January? According to me, uh, we need to bring in that midfielder. Uh, I think that we need to be able to bring in someone that can help close the gap between what El Elneny is and what Partey is. And I think we need to bring in a wide forward that offers us something going forward because, you know, Smith Rowe has been out significantly. We don't really have any tangible backup to Saka, really. Um, so, yeah, I think a wide forward's is that a Mikhailo Mudrik, potentially? Um, do we need to bring in an attacking-minded midfielder? I mean, we're being linked with Jesper Lindstrom. And by the way, if you've not seen Jesper Lindstrom's goal for Frankfurt, go and watch it. It's frankly disgustingly good. Um, he's an interesting profile. Uh, I didn't expect us to be linked to a player like him, but I'm not going to complain about more depth, more quality, more additions, especially if the likes of Smith-Rowe and Odegaard and Fabio Vieira all have injuries, which they all do. So, but for me, wide forward and midfielder uh, take the priority for me. Uh, St. Tino, I think, I'm assuming it's St. Tino, if not, ST Tino TV. Thank you so much uh, for the kind donation. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I appreciate your support to the kind channel, my friends, uh, always. So thank you for the kind donation. Uh, let's go to Augustine, who says, good afternoon from New Jersey, Tom. I think we should still go for Dusan Vlaovic. I think there is a real player in there. I don't see that as a realistic option. Um, Why he would opt to join Arsenal when Jesus is starting every game, when he's already starting every game at Juventus, a team that he wanted to go for, I don't see that as feasible. Whilst I wouldn't have a problem with him joining, am I ever going to have a problem with Arsenal signing a top-quality striker? No, but I don't think it's realistic, and I don't think it's at the top of my priorities either. I think there are more pressing areas of need in this Arsenal team right now. Uh, Leonard says, if a hundred million offer came in for Saliba uh, and it meant you could get Bellingham or Rice, would you take it? If you told me that if you told me that Saliba is categorically not signing a new deal, then yes. Um, if you told me that Saliba signs a new deal but we received that offer and we can go get Bellingham or Rice, would you take it? Then no. I think it comes down to the contract situation. If Saliba's going to leave, and he's not interested in signing a new deal, and he wants to move on, then yeah, absolutely. But Because uh, you want to get maximum value for a player that's ultimately going to move on. Um, 
But if he wants to say, and if he signs a new deal and then we get offered that money, then no, I'm not taking it because he's worth more to us than I think potentially Bellingham or Rice could be worth to us. Um, Peter says, you cheated and didn't deserve to win. Oh, Peter. Uh, let me just have a quick check of the stats for today's game. Uh, stats for today's game. Arsenal had 22 shots, 65% possession, nine shots on target. Seven shots for Spurs and just three on target. One of those, by the way, was the Richarlison chance that was um, uh, Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> Peter says, I'm an Arsenal fan and I'm saying we didn't deserve a win. Wow, Peter, that's kind of crazy. Um, kind of crazy indeed. I would say maybe go watch back the game if you've got an opportunity to go and do that. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, brave of you, though. Very brave indeed. Uh, boss says, who else could play Xhaka's role if he got injured? Who is already an Arsenal player? Touch wood. Uh, I'd say you put Fabio Vieira there. That's probably what I would do. If not, then Lukonga. Uh, but I think Fabio Vieira is probably the most realistic option, personally. Um, let's go to Steve. He says, Saliba and Gabriel for the next five years is worth 200 million at least. I maintain my position that I think Gabriel is the most replaceable of the back line. Um, I know that Clive disagreed with that when we did our show uh, over the honeymoon series, but I still maintain for me that I think so, uh, that White, Saliba, and Zinchenko, Tini, Tomiyasu, keep them all. I think that if you're going to improve the back line, Gabriel is potentially one of them that you could maybe. Left-footed centre-backs are difficult to find, and that is what goes for Gabriel. But, you know, and that's not to say I don't like him. I, I really, really appreciate him. Uh, and I want him to stay and I want him to improve. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think he is the most replaceable of the back four for me. And I think that we could potentially upgrade upon him in the future. Uh, and we've seen links with the likes of Juventus as well. But uh, yeah, I have no no intention of letting him go at the moment at all. Uh, let's go. Oh, guys, don't, don't let one person mug you off. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, dear. And then he ruins it. Uh, you know, I don't mind opposite viewpoints, but if you're going to be really stupid in the chat box, then you can just go and leave. Uh, let's go to uh, King, who says, why would an Arsenal fan say we cheated? Uh, maybe because they're probably not an Arsenal fan, King. That's probably what it is. But I says 700 plus uh, people watching. Uh, smash those likes. Uh, as well, by the way, we are, of course, uh, up for the best club content creator category in the Football Content Awards. Links to how you can vote for the channel are in the video description. You can vote three times on Instagram, Twitter, and the website. So don't hesitate. Please do help give us a vote. We got third place last year, as you can see from my award on the wall there. Uh, we'd love to go one or two steps further. That would be amazing. So yeah, please help support the channel. Please vote for us. Um, there's some other really good uh, people out there being up for other uh, categories. Latte Firm and Lee Judges TV are up for best new content creator. Go help support them. Um, Arsenal Vision are up for best podcast. So make sure you vote for them. Um, so yeah, but if you could vote for us, I really, 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 really would appreciate it. So thank you very much. Um, let's go to uh, King who says, Tom, would you want to see Saliba uh, and Ben White as a pairing? I'm not sure the way we want to dominate the ball suits him. Um, Gabriel, I think you're talking about there. Maybe. I'm intrigued to see what White and Saliba would do with Tommy Asu at right back. I am really kind of interested to see that potential dynamic. Um, I look forward to hopefully seeing that happen and maybe in the Europa League games, if we can afford some rotation and to give Gabriel a bit of a rest. I'd love to see that. Um, just to see what would happen. Just to see what would happen. Keyboard Warrior 
uh, very aptly named in the chat, says, we will destroy Liverpool. Now, to end this show today, I think Liverpool is the natural place to kind of rest today's discussion around where Arsenal are at. Liverpool today drew against Brighton 3-3 in a game in which they were exposed defensively. I think Arsenal have got a really good chance. A really good chance. And yes, this is a memeable uh, little piece from me here if we go and lose, but it is a great opportunity for Arsenal to get a good win and to make another statement uh, against Liverpool. A massive, massive opportunity um, to go and do that. So I really hope that there is the opportunity to beat Liverpool and that we take it because I think it would create such a a real kind of buoyancy of, you know, uh, positivity around the club. And if we can do that, then we go into the rest of the games this month with extra motivation and extra, I don't want to say pressure. I don't think pressure comes into it. I think Arsenal are just enjoying their football. But yeah, winning against Liverpool would be woof. It would be great. It would be fantastic to see. So let's wait and see if indeed Arsenal can go and do that. Uh, Hamster says Liverpool scare me, to be honest. Fair enough. I'm not surprised. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I really appreciate the support as always. And 99% have been fantastic. Uh, I will see you tomorrow morning, bright and early at 8am for more chat after today's game. More fallout, of course, from the Derby victory. And I'm sure some interesting thoughts and feelings around potential stories that are going to be dropping over the next 12 hours or so. So do make sure you turn those notifications on. Do vote for us in the FCAs with the links in the description. Do like the video and subscribe if you're new. We're heading towards 40,000 subscribers. Thank you so much for the continued support on the channel. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Uh, I can't, I can't just, I'm over the moon. There's nothing quite like a Derby victory to set up a, a great weekend. I will end the show with a question. I'm not going to answer it myself. Uh, chat box, you can respond. And if you're watching on Catch Up, you can leave your answer in the comment section down below. Who do you want to win? And you can't say draw, but if you had to pick a winner from the Manchester derby, who do you want to see win? I think it's quite a good indication of where you look to Arsenal's ambitions and your hopes for this season. Let me know. Anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure. I will see you tomorrow morning at 8am. And as always, up the Arsenal. Come on, you gooders. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.